Hi, I'm Chris Hussey. I'm the marshal for the actual play Deadlands podcast, The Adventures of Young and Holt, and you're watching and listening to Legends of Tabletop. Welcome to the Legends of Tabletop Podcast, Part Two. Yeah, <laughs> I have Chris Hussey with me tonight. How's it going, Chris? How are you doing? I am doing uh, doing pretty well, actually. Today today was a good uh, was a relatively good day, and although it's snowing like a banshee outside right now, so is it? Yeah. yeah. How much snow do you guys have up there right now? Oh man, you can ask me for real numbers. Uh, I'm just gonna say like a lot. I mean, it's not like we've got like feet of snow. Right. But we definitely, I would say, at least here in Anchorage, we've got at least a foot, if not uh, two feet uh, of snow. So it's actually, we've been going through um, uh, quite a cold snap. It's just now, within the past couple of days, gotten to uh, out of single digits. Uh, so it's been, yeah, it was cold like that before New Year's. So we've been doing this for a while. So that's a welcome change. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. I guess it depends. Like everybody thinks Alaska is just cold, like all the time. All the but time. But I guess depending on where you're located, so I guess the winter is not necessarily horrible in certain areas, right? No. In fact, it's interesting because I grew up in northern Minnesota, uh, in Duluth, and the winters there, uh, at least as a kid, were much harsher uh, than they are in Alaska. I mean, I remember specifically, well, this is, I shouldn't say as a kid, cause this was as an adult, you know, there was one week where I think the high temperature was 20 below. And this was in Minnesota and Anchorage doesn't normally get that cold. I mean, certainly some areas of the state do, but, uh, Anchorage doesn't. In fact, this past summer, um, uh, we had, it was probably our warmest summer on record. And, you know, it was in the uh, mid to upper seventies, most of the days, which granted isn't really hot comparatively to some areas of the country, but for this area, uh, it definitely was. So. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to go on a cruise up to Alaska geez, about 20 years ago now, I guess. And it was gorgeous the entire time we were there. Like same high mid 70s you know low 80s we were in shorts walking all around you know of course it was like end up end of july i guess when oh we gosh, went so yeah. like the best possible time <laughs> it really yeah it really is the the summers um i mean i've had i've only been up here uh effectively about two years ago through two summers but yeah they are uh, phenomenal uh just absolutely gorgeous no humidity and the temperatures are just super comfortable and you get so much sunlight enough to actually kind of drive you crazy in a certain sense, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal in the summertime. Cool. Very cool. So I, I want to tell a story, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure how much you remember, but like, oh you know, God. you follow people on Twitter, right? And you know, you like stuff and you retweet stuff and you, yeah, yeah. And you can't always talk to everybody. It's just the nature of social media. You know, you make friends and whatever. Um, but I guess it was, it must've been, uh, 
2018 was the year the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. Yes. And it was end of December. And I guess the Eagles had beaten the, the Vikings in 17, you know, 44 to seven or whatever it was getting. Uh, yeah, it was 41 to seven. Cause I was reminded many times by Eagle fans. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So as we're coming into 18 and the you know Eagles eventually won, I guess, you know, the, the, the Vikings were going to potentially face the Eagles in the playoffs again. And they, and they wound up doing it and you posted like, Hey, you know, go Vikings or like now's the time or whatever it was. And, you know, and again, we didn't know each other all that well. And I just posted like a meme of an Eagle kind of like peeking around the corner and you were just like, Oh, what? You know, Eagles fans eating shit. Don't start this forty-one-seven. I'm like, oh shit! It's just a joke. It's just a joke. <laughs> I'm like, backpedal, backpedal. Hey, but like, you know, it, it's okay. It's, it's all right. You know. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, and that's you know. Okay, so you know, to go back, I mean, we had you know that was the year we had the Minneapolis miracle, and you know, I, I mean, literally, I remember watching that at home, and it happened, and I stood up, and I'm cheering, and. I get tears in my eyes, you know, and I'm telling my my daughter, I said, stuff like that always happens to the Vikings. We never get to do right. that. You know, it's just because this team is just nothing but heartbreak. And so then it happens and we're like riding high and it's like, okay, we're going to go into Philly and we're going to, you know, we're going to dominate. It's going to be great. And they go in there and then like, as they typically do, and they certainly did this year, uh, they do not show up for that second playoff game, and they just got trounced. And, you know, in, in retrospect, I would have been okay with them losing had the game been close. Mm. But they just got their – just their asses whooped by the Eagles, and it was just so uh, – you know. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, then, yeah and to see that, it's like, what? Ah, you know, you just <laughs> rage trigger, and, you know, you go after it. But, yeah, it um, – uh, but uh, it, the good that came out of that was, yeah, we, we got to know each other and then we, we accepted we accepted each other's differences. Yeah, yeah. We even wished each other good luck this year in the playoffs. Absolutely. <laughs> and on top of that, I actually even meant it, um, you know, because <laughs> you know, like my sister's a Packers fan. And so like she'll she'll text me good luck, you know, uh, on, on game day and, and I will text her back. But and I love my sister, but yet at the same time, it's like I don't fully mean it. You know, it's like I, <laughs> I, I want her to be happy. I don't want the Packers to win. You know, right? Not not at the expense of the Vikings. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I, love I, I, I love how we're talking about weather and sports on yeah. on the game thing. This is, I mean, <laughs> seriously, this is this is great. This is so good. I love it. Well, these, these are typically just kind of like BS sessions, so <laughs> we kind of meander. Right on, right on. But yeah, I I know the feeling is as a Philadelphia fan because we're like the, uh, you know, the bridesmaid at every uh, sporting event. It seems like it, it, it's punctuated. Like every decade, we'll get something. Yeah. So the Eagles won. I'm happy. I could die now. Like it's fine. We won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, I I hate this in the middle thing. I'm gonna have to edit this out. Let me pause for one second because my kid is staring at me ominously out of the shadows. <laughs> Well, go get him. You don't have to well, stop me for that. I don't want to, like, run across Just the run across the screen. Nobody's paying attention. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, are, so are you going to watch uh, Super Bowl now that, that the Vikings are out? Or? Um, I probably will. We, you know, family tradition-wise, we've always had one where 
regardless, we would always, they, that was kind of, not that we, not that our family was like this big health nut family, but we, we'd have a family Super Bowl party because, you know, nobody else really in my family gets into watching football. But when it comes to Super Bowl, they'll, they, they'll love to watch the commercials. And we decided, okay, so my wife and I said, you know, let's, let's wrap this around. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll let this, we'll let the, uh, we'll cut the brakes on this and we'll just have all kinds of crap food you know, and crap sweets and all of that kind of stuff. And so we turned it into this family tradition slash event. And, uh, and we just, we did that for years, you know, every time the Super Bowl come around, it was junk food day. And so we would, you know, what are we going to have? And we'd write it all down. And so we'd go and go shopping and bring it in. And, you know, of course, then we always would get more, it was kind of like almost like a, a second Thanksgiving, but just with bad food. And so you would, um, you'd have junk food left over for several days after the fact. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it turned into this fun kind of thing. Um, so this year, yeah, I mean, now since they're, you know, all the kids are basically adults uh, and have moved on and stuff, and we'll, we still kind of do it, but it's not nearly to the same, uh, with the same level of enthusiasm. So I probably still will watch, uh, but mm, probably more for the commercials. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I usually do too. And last year they were terrible, I, you know, on sports talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have been though. They, the last couple of years they've been really terrible. And 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 what really kind of aggravates me more than anything when it comes to that kind of stuff is like the following day, everyone, you know, every news show has like these were the best commercials for the Super Bowl, and those freaking Budweiser Clydesdales. I always make the list, and I, you know, I I do commercial production for a living for real life, and honestly, it's like okay. Yes, they're very nice, but they're it's they're really not it's really not that great of a spot. You know, it looks pretty, um, but you can't just put horses in a spot and just expect everybody just to fall in love. You know, yeah. puppies and dogs, yeah, maybe, but horses, <laughs> no. And not cats, because you know, cats are assholes. Oh yeah, no, yeah, cats, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, cats would just although with one exception, there's one exception to that. And that was the that was the herding the cat herder commercial. This was from oh yeah, that one was good. That oh, one was yeah. very good. I, I can say that because I am a cat person. We have two of them running around here somewhere. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, good. And I don't feel I don't feel bad about saying yeah, cats are jerks. <laughs> it's true. They've earned their reputation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, right, let's circle back around here. So. Oh, yeah. Were you a D and D first guy? Is it, what? What was your first RPG that you ever? Yes, I was. I was definitely part of the Red Box crowd. Um, I spent several months in 1983 looking at certain pages within the uh, Sears Wish Book. You know, and it wasn't the the ladies' lingerie pages. This was <laughs> the um, as most teenage boys, you know, teenagers my age uh, would do. But it was the um, it was the D&D page where they had the game and they had like the accessories, even had the funky like electronic D&D games stuff. All of that was um, that's where I mean, I would come home from school or whatever. It'd be on the weekends and I'd flip, you know, I'd look at the Star Wars figure stuff and then I'd go look at the D&D stuff and I just blue snaggletooth. Yeah, man. Right. <laughs> and then, the, then they had the, in the Sears one, too, they would have like the cool they'd have the specific play sets but then they have like the sears exclusive uh star wars figure play sets um but yeah so the, the red box was there and that was uh that was what i asked for and so I, I got it for christmas and then unbeknownst to me one of my neighbors and he and i we would we would play star wars all the time 
um, you know, either live action um, or with figures or whatever. I'd go over his place or he'd come over mine. And, but he had also gotten the red box that year. And we didn't, I didn't know that. And then he didn't know that I had gotten it. And <laughs> so like two good players at the time, he and I conspired and we made the other neighbor kid, neighbor kid be our GM. Nice. <laughs> um, so we're like, here, you're going to have to, you're going to run us through this adventure. And he, um, you know, he kind of figured out how to do it, how to run it. And we made our characters, we ran through it, you know, and it, things just kind of took off uh, from that point. Although I do have to admit that, you know, in the red box, they had that uh, solo adventure to kind of show you and illustrate to you how, how this is generally how a game would go. And they even had the pages uh, or the little art pieces of art were in the map. And here you could draw out the map and here's how you could add. But I screwed that map up because oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't figure out like, cause he would go like, here's this picture of this section of the map that you could see with your torch or whatever. And then you'd go on to the next section and I was not smart enough to figure out exactly like how, like where one ended and the other began. And so my map just looked ridiculous and completely wrong. And so then of course I go over to my friend's house, Shane, and his map was pristine and it was perfect. And I'm like, how did you, how did you do this? You know? And he's like, well, it was, really wasn't that hard. And he showed me, but um, yeah, from there we just, we played the box D and D for a long time and then eventually got into uh, uh, first edition. And then from there, that's when, after first edition, we, we did that for a while. We started to branch out uh, into a number of games and I, Got into played Twilight 2000 for a while, which is great. Uh, absolutely love that game. And then, um, and then went into uh, that's where I also got into BattleTech. Uh, and then it was Shane who introduced me to both of those games, actually. Um, and yeah, of course, BattleTech. Then that's where I, I really started to go off the rails as a gamer. That one sucked right. me in, yeah, big time, big time. I've got a couple of boxes that's right on the shelf. Yeah, good man, good man. Piece of, of, un, of uninteresting trivia, speaking of Twilight 2000, um, my character that I made in uh, Twilight 2000, his name was Ernest Wick, and I kept that name, and he is the narrator uh, for Young and Holt, and I decided to adapt that name uh, for the podcast. So there's your piece of uninteresting trivia for the day, <laughs> which is probably cool. similar when it comes to me, but Yeah. No, it's definitely cool. Yeah, sometimes stuff like that just just sticks with you for whatever reason. You know, whether it's a first character or, you know, the first time you played this type of character or this game or whatever, like it just yeah. resonates. Yeah, and you know, speaking of first characters, that was like I took my um, original D and D character that I had made and converted him over to first edition. Uh, when we started playing and then just kept him for kept playing him for years uh just absolutely you know love that guy he got up quite high in levels uh, and it was very you know you're always very pleased with those kinds of things mm -hmm. you, you you pulled the uh, the vin diesel <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that's right that's very true oh my gosh i didn't even think about it that way mm, all right <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, you're you're rubbing shoulders. <laughs> so at some point while you were playing, did did you GM at, at, at those younger ages? You know, in the early part, to you know either give the other guy a break or just kind of like you know see what it felt like to 
hold the power of life and death in your hands. Yeah, it did. You know, and I honestly, I can't remember exactly where and how I started. I mean, I know I did when it was our like core group of me, Shane, and the other, the neighbor kid who we made GM, Eric was his name. And then we got uh, together with a friend of Shane's, his name was Scott. And, and then I knew him uh, in high school and he and I actually got to be pretty good friends actually. And we still uh, communicate uh, quite a bit today. But um, at some point in there, yeah, I did start running things. And, and I think I didn't like realize how much I enjoyed it, but I started to enjoy that more. And I had um, an urban, I ran a D&D urban campaign for quite a while that was based on the city of Cahir from the old Steve Jackson sorcery Choose Your Own Adventure books. Uh, if you remember the second book in the series, that was I. So I basically I had my I had that city, and I had I you know as as you do when you have lots of time and you aren't dating in high school and you have all this stuff. You know you take several sheets of graph paper, you tape them together, and I was like I literally drew out every single freaking building in that town. <laughs> You know, nice. the city wall around there and the river and all of that. And it just, I recreated the, you know, to the best of my ability uh, from looking at the book, the map of, of Cahir. And I'd always lay it out when we when we game and, you know, do whatever we did. And, um, but yeah, I just kind of kept going, you know, from that point and was always more than willing to either run or be a GM if we do GM rotation. Um and I didn't mind, you know, I didn't mind not playing. It wasn't until I got older that I uh, realized that the types of things I wanted to have happen to my characters, or if I was a player, like the real arc of a character that I would I'd want it to take, I was never, I was never getting that satisfaction. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't blame. I don't blame the GM. I don't blame, I really don't blame anybody for that. That was just kind of what I came to realize. And I think then I, I kind of more fell in love with being able to craft stories with characters in them that might follow certain arcs. I mean, I still was all about making sure that the player got the experience they wanted for their character. Um, but I found a lot of joy and a lot of satisfaction in being able to just tell a certain story or at least have an idea for a story and then watch my players make it better, make the story much more entertaining. And yeah, and I just, I really, um, I kind of really got into it and really just enjoyed it quite a bit. So are you more of a GM now then? Oh, do yeah. you get to play often? Um, like as a player? I do. I do GM more. I don't get to play very often and it, to the point where when I do play, it feels weird. In a, in a certain sense to me, and I suddenly feel uh, a bit constrained, almost in a certain sense. That oh, wait a second, I'm only playing one person. How is what, right. <laughs> what, what the heck is going on? You know, and so having more, you know, I, I like I like playing multiple personalities. Um, I, when I'm at a, at the table, I get very very energetic, uh, and so I think it's hard for me to contain all that in in one. Uh, one character. So I think that's one of the other reasons too, why I like GMing. And I, I like also to uh, the improv improvisational nature of it, where I can throw stuff out and I get unexpected things come back. I mean, it forces me to think 
in that creative way. I've, I've really, I've really kind of gotten off on that in the last few years. And that's with the current group of players that I do play when I play online. Um, I really get a lot of that from them and it just, yeah, I, I, it's fun. It's fun to do. It's fun to see. It's fun to experience. Right. And it takes a special kind of someone to GM to really delve in and appreciate that and, and really kind of key in on that feedback. Cause it's, you know, I guess anybody can run a game, right? You, when you play, like you say, maybe you don't, hit certain notes or, you, you know, you feel like your character maybe isn't, you know, pushed in a certain way or whatever. And it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. I mean, people are all going to game at different levels, whether they're players or GMs. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, I, and I've also come to appreciate a lot, uh, running games for new players. <clears throat> Excuse me. I ran, uh, there was a, um, it was really more of an anime con that had uh, some gaming elements added onto it here locally. And they did a lot of D and D adventure league. And I was, um, I have no issue with 5e. I enjoy it. I've always loved D and D, but I really wanted to, I wanted to bring the gospel of Savage Worlds to, mm. um, uh, to this con. And so there was on the first night there, there was me and one of the guys named Dylan. He has written stuff for the Savage Worlds Adventure Guild and a uh, great guy. He and I both were going to have Savage Worlds tables. We didn't have enough players show up. So I played in his event, which was awesome. And then the next day, it was essentially all D&D Adventure League uh, right. all day. Excuse me. And I was, uh, I was the, this lone oasis of Savage Worlds in this sea of uh, D&D. And... And I had a bunch of, and when I ran my event, I had a bunch of new players at the table, like brand new. They've never experienced RPGs before. And that was so much fun to not only introduce them to the game, um, because, you know, I just, I really enjoy the game, but also then to just enjoy, introduce them to RPGs. And, you know, here's what this is like, and here's what you can do. And they really got into it. And it was really, it was fun to see that, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've realized the importance and significance of getting new people into the hobby. You know, um, it, it doesn't really matter to me where they come from, but it does matter that they experience RPGs outside of, you know, quote unquote, the norm, you know, and I guess D and D in this case being the norm. The, the default, right. I mean, that, that's yeah. the expectation from everybody. And you see that now, you know, not good or bad or indifferent, but, but you see that now with, a lot of the shows that are coming up like D and D, especially with, you know, fifth being still relatively new mm-hmm. is the huge focus where, you know, back in the day, like it was that and vampire, you know, maybe you had the white wolf stuff, right. In the, in the early part of the nineties and there wasn't, and I'm sure there was right. But like in, in the, in the consciousness of the thing, you've had those two and that was kind of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really, and, and when you, when you get to show people, um, what more is out there? You know, even, even it's funny just because like, even in the last like week, I've seen two different, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll look at my Twitter feed and you know, there's plenty of, of tabletop related stuff that goes on there, but I've seen two different people kind of complain about um, apparently the predominance of, of D and D, Twitter feed. I do not like specifically focus on that hashtag, but they were just kind of expressing some unhappiness with a lot of what they're seeing. I'm assuming it was toxicity of some point uh, or of some level. And, and they were talking like 
they were just tired of just that. And it was almost like they were giving the impression that they had no idea that there was like so much more. You know, you have the other essentially 99% of games that are out there with great communities, lots of support, and the games themselves are fun. You know, it's like they like, and it's interesting to see people like that kind of come to that realization. Because I even replied to them. I don't know who these people were. And I'm like, hey, come over to the set. You know, and you, you, you do the hashtag Savage Worlds. Like, you come over to the Savage Worlds community. You know, we, we're we great over here. We have a lot of fun. You, the game is great. We have cookies. You know, that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> so it's, it is interesting to see um, that. And it kind of makes me think, you know, because you and I coming up through it like this, you know, we've seen how often – the editions have changed, you know, just since 2000, you know, when they finally came out with third edition. And, and now with it being so popular with fifth edition, I'm beginning to wonder, because we're, we're getting to that point cycle-wise where the, the rumblings of a new edition should start anytime now. Mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder, ah, is that really going to happen? I don't know. You know, it's one of those fun things to conjecture about. But but it's like, with, because there's so much now momentum going, it's like, do you really want to, you know, switch? I well, but they have the platform set for it, right? So they can stick with it. They have, you know, critical role, sponsored show, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you keep pushing fifth edition stuff out, but you also have critical role. So if you want to do a six or a five point five or whatever they call it, mm-hmm. you 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 have that huge huge fan base to be like, fuck it, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's yeah. more D and D. And, and that's the thing, too. I mean, really, from the other side of it, it could be even easier to get people to switch over uh, because of that that kind of stuff. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this. I, and we don't, like, get super political all the time. But talking about, you know, Twitter and D&D and the toxicity and stuff like that, it, it seems to me, you know, at least on some superficial level, I guess, right, because we're about the same age, you know, old white guys, that <laughs> – that the the problem with with that kind of stuff and the gatekeeping and all that sort seems to be D and D focused. I don't know if it's because it's the oldest system, so you have a lot of you know carryover of the quote unquote old guard kind of thing. Like this is you know I only play first ever and blah blah blah. And right. I don't know. It just it's, I don't. Know, it seems to be that way because right? you have the new narrativistic you know. Uh, push you know that, that came you know a number of years ago and like just sort of opened up and blossomed into this larger thing where you always kind of hear that circling around D. It's you know yeah my, my guess is that it does have to do because it's the largest I, I have to imagine that just you know just the way laws of numbers and stuff work you know there are absolutely probably some jerks who play um you know i don't know uh here we'll pick on the Wendy's game. Who pick who <laughs> who, who play? And they, what, what was that called? Feast of Legend. Something like um, that. You yeah. know, and then like absolutely don't want certain people playing this game. You know, or I mean, or even going back to like Twilight. It's like uh, Twilight two thousand. No, 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 no. We can't have you know, you know, uh, girls don't play Twilight or whatever. You know, um, I'm sure that stuff exists, but it yeah, it just because there's not so much of it out there that just, it's not going to rise to the top. And it really, the whole like, you know, nerd niches picking on other nerd niches, just that kind of stuff just drives me crazy because it's like, you know, are you forgetting what it was like to grow up 
and you getting picked on, why would you turn around and do that to somebody else? Because you're doing the same thing to them that happened to you. You know, and this because it happened to you doesn't give you the authority to do that to someone else. You know, it's just it's not if anything, if someone is expressing a desire to play the game that you love to play, why not let them play? Yeah, it is very possible your play styles will not mesh. I have absolutely experienced that. Some dudes, I've even had my own group. It's like the way this guy plays, that ain't the way I play. Right. And, but I don't want to begrudge him the ability to play his game. You know, I, you know, so I'm not, yeah, we might not play at the table anymore or together, or maybe we just, this group is not working, but yeah, he still should be able to play. And right. so, right. Um, it does. It does bother me when that kind of stuff happens, you know, and you hear about it tangentially. And it just it's one of those you shake your heads because I think internally, I think we'd all like to think that we're better than that, you know, because we all come from that picked on beginnings, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but a lot of times it just it's, we seem to prove over and over again that we're not necessarily, you know, better than that as a as as, as a overall hobby. Right. And it's and it's such a shame because tabletop gaming and, and board gaming and all that stuff is such a rewarding hobby. Yeah. You know, so, you know, socially, you know, you're sitting down at the table or, you know, even, you know, if you're doing stuff online, it's such a, you know, uh, a fundamentally social activity. And to, you know, tell people that they're not welcome in doing something. It's just it's stupid. You know, you see it in the Star Wars fandom so much with the, the new movies and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And again, you know, we're, like we grew up with Star Wars, right? Like that was our Star Wars. And the new movies are different, and that's fine. And I may like them, I may not like them, but if you like them, that's great. Like, love those movies. I don't like it. Doesn't affect me at all, right? You know? you, it's like I, I, you not liking something that I like should not, you know, destroy my enjoyment of me liking it, you know, and vice versa. It's just that, yeah, it doesn't, you know, and you, your comments about um, it being such a socially rewarding thing, not to plug another podcast, but plug away. Uh, <laughs> the, watching, or you should, people should listen to the episode of gaming with Gage. And I'm, I can't remember his last name, but I didn't remember his first name. His first name is Paris. Um, if you want an example of, the good, I mean, like the like the legitimate good for humanity that RPGs do. Listen to that episode because this the the guy Paris he uses. And I'm probably butchering this uh, slightly, but he essentially he uses RPGs as a therapeutic tool for at risk teens or antisocial teens, and he gets them to learn team building, learn to socially interact. Um, and just also to, in a lot of ways, it's just, yeah, it's a very form of a positive form of therapy. And he has seen like actual results and it's, it's an amazing thing to listen to. It's just, it's, it's a very humbling story and it makes you very proud of the hobby and what you do. You know, when you, they, we do for recreation, he uses it for, for benefit for other people. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. If I could find it, I'll throw a link in the show notes for that. Or if, if you happen to catch it, if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, and, and, and it, it kind of ties back into our sports talk from the beginning, right? So where it's still 
more or less acceptable to kind of, you know, embrace that tribalism that we have, you know, like I post up Eagles, yeah, you know, Eagles fan, right. <laughs> and it's acceptable. Right. And we kind of embrace that and we, you know, kind of live by that motto when we wear our team colors and, you know, logos and whatever, but we try to eliminate that in every other part of our lives and be accepting and inclusive and mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So it's, yeah, it's kind of, and I, I don't mind, I don't mind like giving crap, you know, like if, um, um, if you, you know, if you get people who say, oh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is the greatest fantasy role-playing game ever created. And then, you know, somebody comes up and somebody comes up and says, well, Earthdawn says, hold my beer, you know, <laughs> and then proves that it is indeed the far superior fantasy role-playing game, which it is. But, you know, get that kind of, that kind of shit giving, that's perfectly acceptable because you know, it's a good natured thing. And, you know, but yeah, once it, once it moves beyond that step, then it's like, uh, come on, you know? Yeah. yeah. Earth Dawn, by the way, is the greatest fantasy RPG. <laughs> Fight me. So. You hear that guy at the table changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's true. Uh, I, speaking of um, one more kind of like a side story, this is, you talk about the, the cool, the coolness of RPGs and, one of the, and I've shared the story on a couple other podcasts, but I, I love to tell the story about it. my oldest son and his buddies, when they were in high school, they wanted to do RPGs. And so we're like, okay, cool. So we did, I think at that time we were doing 3.5. So it's like, let's do this. And their experience with, you know, role-playing games in that sense was effectively um, uh, oblivion. Um, but why am I blanking on the, the larger name of the game? But um, uh, <laughs> can't think we'll of it. Fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Anyway, but Oblivion. It was. It was. There was the fourth. It was the fourth version of that game. Oblivion was the name. I can't remember the rest of it. Anyway, it was the Fusrada game. Whatever the hell that one is. Um, anyway, so their experience, though, with you know making a character and doing stuff in RPGs, it was all computer based, and when they like legitimately saw when they came to, you could visibly see it on their faces when they came to the realization that when they're like talking to an innkeeper and they realized they could ask any question they wanted to and get a response as opposed to three question choices. And then also realize that they could literally go anywhere and do anything. I mean, it was just like this. I mean, you could see the light bulbs on top of their heads going off. Like, oh my gosh, this is like so open, and it's like a, almost like a real thing, you know. And they're having this conversation with this innkeeper, or this person in the street, or this town guard, or whatever. And it just truly was like an eye-opening experience for them. And they, at that point, then like really got into it and got into the cool things that their characters could do. And that was just, that's, it's, it's a neat thing to experience. It, it's cool to see that, that, that light kind of switch on, right? Cause it can be totally intimidating to sit down at the table. And you're like, I don't, what is this, the numbers and like, I, I don't know. So my guy kind of does the thing. And then once, the, you know, once they kind of like realize what's going on and sort of slip in a character, maybe slip into a voice, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, it is. It's fun to watch. And it, and it re-energizes me as this crusty old gaming veteran. And I, I, I you feed off that because you see their enthusiasm, you know, and you don't want to give them a bad game if you're running something. And so then and that, you know, in turn really kind of juices you up. And so you, you just start throwing more fun stuff in there. And mm-hmm. it, uh, it becomes this great, you know, feedback loop of uh, of awesome, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, so I have a couple of questions to sort of follow on that. Yes, thing. please. So for individual sessions, how much do you prep for? And how long do you typically run for? Um, it's, it's varied over the years. Uh, within the past, we'll, we'll, we'll answer the questions in reverse order. So like in, in, within about past 10 years, my average session length probably goes for maybe five hours, six at the absolute maximum. And, and I think that has everything to do with age. And, um, you know, we just, uh, we get tired faster, you know, and it, it was just like, you know, so a quit time of 1030, you know, that's good. You know, I want right. to go home. I got yeah, I got to work, you know, in the morning. And, and as opposed to, you know, when I was, when I was younger and it was like minimum eight hours, you know, and if it's not eight hours, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so what are you sick? Are you, what, what's the problem? I mean, I used to, this is how bad I used to be. I would work and I'll get to your other question for in a second. I had a group um, that I gamed with at work and everything was great when we all had roughly the same shift. We'd all roughly work like two to 1030. So Sunday nights, we'd get done with the 10 o'clock news. We'd either game there at the TV station or we'd go to a guy's house and we'd game. It was awesome. Then my, my job switched and I started working the morning shift. So (laughs) this is just so bad. I do not (laughs) recommend this for anyone this and don't well i'll get to gen con camping some other time but um <laughs> which was the way i went to gen con my very first time went camping horrible idea had good time horrible idea to go camping um but you uh so i would work i would they still worked uh until 10 30 and so we'd all meet at the guy's house afterwards we'd game until probably about three maybe three thirty. I would then go back to the station, sleep on the couch in the studio <laughs> for about like an hour and a half until my shift started at five in the morning and then get up and then work my normal shift on Monday morning, until, which lasted until like about 1230, two o'clock, something like that, and then go home and maybe try and take a nap. But, <laughs> you know, but my wife, we had three very young kids at the time. And so my wife wasn't necessarily always keen on me doing that. Kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> so, um, so sometimes I get to nap, sometimes I wouldn't, but yeah, I just, after the boat doing that for about four months, I was like, guys, I have got to stop doing this. I'm <laughs> dying. I'm literally dying. This is not good. So, um, yeah, so as I've gotten older, the amount of time that I'll, I'll game has definitely gone down. Uh, prep time, ugh, that has varied considerably. I used to be uh, very meticulous with my prep, and I'd have massive amounts of notes and NPC stats and all this other stuff that I would spend a lot of time doing. And as time has gone on, I've lost a lot of that free time to do that, and so my now my prep time is kind of this jumbled mess of mental notes. Maybe I'll take an hour or two here to, to make some quick notes uh, and go from there. And it's the situation I'm not necessarily keen on. Uh, there are plenty of GMs who are very good, who can think off the cuff and react and do all that kind of stuff. But for the type, which is great, but for the types of games that I run where I like to have story consistency and NPC consistency. And I like to try and create a world that feels real. Uh, 
that kind of prep isn't working for me. And so I'm like trying to come up with a way to do it better. Um, and I haven't, I haven't quite figured that out yet, I guess. So yeah, I'm, I'd like to get to, I'd like to get to a point where I do have some minimal prep, but then I have, I have an effective way to, um, take notes afterwards. And I think I've, I got a recommendation from somebody online where I think I may have found the answer, but I haven't had, of course, haven't had free time to delve into see if that's the answer. So that's yeah. Fair. Yeah. Now for the, for the new campaign or, or, you know, for the current podcast for uh, the adventures of young and Holt, did you guys sit down together, have like a session zero and, you know, sort of loosely plan out arcs for the characters that sort of behind the, like, okay, what do you guys want to do? What kind of characters you want to play? And then you kind of have that going on in the back of your mind as far as maybe where you want to see the story go, where the characters go, or is it a collaborative thing? It's been a bit more collaborative. Uh, the The embarrassing fact of this is is we, the Young and Holt started as, as really like an accident almost. Um, we had a group, there were five of us in this group, and me and Brent and Brad, I don't want to call us like the core members because that, that's definitely not fair to uh, to the other two guys. But the other two guys, their life circumstances were in, in quite a bit of flux. And so they weren't always available. Um, we still would, would game with them when the, when the opportunity came, but they just weren't, they weren't always available. And so the three of us were sitting down and Brad has a very large collection of board games and he has a really good X-Wing collection and damn, we would love playing X-Wing. Uh, and, but, and so we enjoyed doing board games, but we, all three of us were, were role players at heart. Let's roll, we want to role play. So one night after we had done, got done doing board games, we were talking, okay, so let's come up with an RPG that we can do whenever the other two guys aren't available. And, um, so we like we we're like ticking through things because the three of us we had had a campaigns prior um, which we were all very happy with. You know, we talked about what if we went back to that world and maybe even back to those characters or the descendants of those characters or something. You know, we so we're like throwing ideas, throwing ideas, and then I literally I was just kind of like running through games in my head that I owned, and then I I thought I came on like Deadlands popped in there and I said, oh, you know what we really should do? We should play Deadlands. And so neither one of them had played it explained a bit to it, you know, and they're all like, yeah, okay, this sounds really cool. Let's do this. And so then I think it was after that, when I, I think I had just started to enjoy uh, some APs and I thought, you know what, maybe I'll give this a shot. And I, so I said, you guys mind if I record this? And so I took a recorder from work, I brought it and we just started to record. They were all cool with it. And so we had that we 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 did us we did a session zero, which is an episode that is available. Um, I think we picked it up part of the way through. Did we follow like you know all of the proper session zero protocol? No. Um, well, we, that's yeah. Well, like we didn't. We had a general idea. I think we talked about like you know what the characters certainly were, what type of people they were, but we didn't necessarily come up with a reason as to why, why were they together? They just, you know, we, I kind of had a little bit of that in there, um, but I let that develop a bit more organically uh, as they played. And as far as like the arcs, we have talked at times, you know, like where do you see Joshua ending up? Where do you see Porter ending up? But we've never, 
we, we've never really nailed anything down hard. Like this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. Um, and it's, it's been, I've been, uh, despite that, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't in a certain sense, because I think um, that makes it a little bit more real. Uh, and I, and I also, I like, um, I run the game, but it's those two guys who make the game really what it is. They're extremely good role players. And they're all and, and, and of any group I've ever had, the level of trust that the three of us have with each other is um, I've never experienced that level of trust. They know that I'm not going to I'm certainly going to put them in, in danger, but it's not going to be anything that they if they're not creative, they can't escape, you know, or if they're creative, they can't escape. Um, and they throw me like proper curveballs like they're like they're pit they're they're pitching to me um not to try and hit me with the baseball you know um they may want me to strike but they may also want me to hit a home run you know and so um and it has just worked really well together you know the whole i for those who do listen the whole thing with uh regina the red came when one of them just played a plot twist card i had not planned for this at all the only thing i had planned was that uh, Porter might recognize one of the names, and that was about as far as I'd gone. And then all of a sudden, it turned into this former love interest, this whole backstory, and all of this stuff that developed in there. It's one of the better parts of the overall campaign. Um, That's where I am right now. Oh, are you really? Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. First of all, thank you for listening. And second, I will not tell you how it ends up. But I, I well, I so I, I got through that part. They're, okay. they're leaving Fargo. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, um, and even the, with the plot twist cards, you know, I will fully admit when Brent presented him, he's like, hey, we should try these cards. And I it took him a second for, or it took me, well, it took me longer than a second to like fully understand exactly what was going on here and what he meant. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I reluctantly said, all right, okay, let's give it a shot. I was very skeptical. And um, it became one of the best decisions we ever made. Uh, for the game because it just they have a bit more agency uh, and it also it serves as great inspiration and it's something I, I wish that Paizo had uh, not or I wish they hadn't stopped printing them I wish they still had it as a product because it's 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 an amazing product uh, and it's worth the if you can find a set it's worth the investment because it can work across games we, you know we don't mm -hmm. use we don't use Pathfinder rules and they do have like little game mechanics in there we just ignore that part but it's it's they're they're wonderful little keywords and things you know just things to kind of take stuff in a certain direction, uh, and if you're all willing to you know get into it, then it works. Yeah, and they, and they were used with great effectiveness all throughout that Fargo arc. Oh yeah, <laughs> by, yeah. by all the players. Yeah, yeah, they really have been, and it's and it's something that that I know that if I ever sit down with another around the table group, uh, I do plan on using. Uh, with them because it is they're they're fantastic. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and you're talking about trust with the players and all. Do you think that's a function of? And I'm sure it's multiple things, but um, the size of the group, just one one GM, two players is a very tight, cohesive. If you know when everybody buys in, mm -hmm. it, it's real, real tight. Our day trippers game is like that. It's we started with three, we dropped down to two coming back up to three as of the last episode 
Uh, and it's just such a tight, real bleedy game. Like it's just very, everybody's very open to what's happening. And, and I think it, for me, at least it feels like it's a function of the size. You know, if you have six people or five people, not that you're not comfortable with your friends or whatever, but like, you know, you're, everybody's vying for a little bit of screen time and, you know, maybe this person's on their phone because nothing's going on for them right now or whatever. But when you only have two people, like you're, you're in it. Yeah, no, you, you're 100% correct. It is, you, everyone's there, everyone is paying attention, and it is a, it's a really interesting dynamic um, where you can, you can really get into some great depth uh, all around the table. And it's, it's, it's so good, like, it's so good that way. And it is, it's completely different than when, you know, like my son's group that I'm doing right now, there's, you know, there's six players, and you mm -hmm. just, you can you can only get so deep when you've got that many, and, and you're right. You got all these people that you want to give the spotlight to, but you may not necessarily be able to do that as much. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, I've never done uh, a group just two players before, and uh, yeah, it's it is it's a fun it's a fun size. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah, it, I I enjoy it. Our day trippers game is is the. The, my most favorite game I've ever played in. Um, and, and it's just, yeah, and it's a lot of fun. And, and, and I think it's because of that. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, I, I think cause it, it also, it affords you the time to, cause like the spotlight can shine a little bit longer and yeah, if everyone is, you know, you kind of, like you said, you're forced to pay attention, but then that, you know, uh, really creates that investment. Yeah, I you know it's because of the podcast, right? So like I'm in all the things, right? So I always worry as a as a player that there's too much spotlight for me, and I'm like, no, 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 go do the thing. Like, hey, what do you guys think? Like, what what's going on, right? Because you don't want to have that thrust upon you. Because I had somebody say at one point, like, oh, well, it's your show, and I'm like, no, 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 absolutely not. Don't ever think that. Like, that's <laughs> that's not fun for anybody. Like, do the things, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was. Um... Speaking of that, I because I'm editing, I was editing. Um, I just finished editing and released episode 41, and there is a scene in the beginning of that. And I was, and I had kind of forgotten. I mean, I knew the scene exists, but I had forgotten what had happened. And this was a completely player-generated scene between the two of them. And it, somehow, I, I, I I'm. This, I'm not going to say that I'm some sort of game mastering genius, but I just really kind of was more lucky in this sense. I thankfully got out of the way when they were doing this scene. Like there was a point where I did jump in with something that was appropriate in game, but otherwise I just like stay out of the way. And this scene goes on for like five, seven minutes or something like that. And it's just the two of them going and it's compelling. It's really good stuff. And that I was, uh, and I had tweeted about it just because I was realizing that the lesson being learned there was, you know, as a GM, learn when to get out of the way from your players. If they're doing something that's cool, even if it's not advancing the story at the time, but it's cool and they're into it, dude, yeah, sit back, shut up, and just let it happen because it's a fun thing to watch and you'll appreciate it afterwards because it's, that's when like the real character development happens and that's so cool. That's what I was going to say. It's all about the character development at that point. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and again, I enjoy that with the, with the, in all of our games really, but really with Daytrippers games, because we, we've had similar instances where like, 
you know, you're going, 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 and you realize like, oh shit, Todd left. <laughs> like he's not even in the room anymore. He'll walk <laughs> away, go get a cup of coffee. And we're just like back and forth going on about something or another. And it's just, you know, like even we play Rogue Trader and it's such a crunchy game, right? Yeah, right. And yes. we'll go whole sessions and not roll dice. Like no. we just RP, like the whole group. It's just, it's such a great group of people. To, that, to play with overall that kind of stuff when that when the, that stuff happens um that's what i really love about role-playing games is that and, and I, I remember you know seeing people talk about before like fourth edition uh D &D being like so tactically based and blah 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 and all that stuff and yeah you're right rogue trader yeah i, I listened to a, uh a, an ap of that one it was like one episode and i was like oh my gosh you have to make a skill check to breathe this is incredible you know <laughs> and but at the same time, yeah, when you have those sessions like that, when no, we didn't, we maybe rolled dice like three times, you know, in, in a super crunchy game where you've got to do that kind of stuff. That I just, gosh, I love that so much because you're you're not letting those rules stop you from doing what you're feeling right at doing at that time, which you know, and that that to me is. That's when the the players are in control of the game and not the other way around. And mm -hmm. I just I really I love and appreciate that um, tremendously. It's just it's fun to do. Yeah. Well, you're 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 telling hopefully interesting stories and and having a good time, you know. Mm -hmm. And that that's really what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really is. And that's and that's the other thing, you know. And I was talking. That was one of the times I was on Gaming with Gage, and we were talking about the whole idea of, a, of critical failure and ro rolling that one, you know? Um, and uh, my, my attitude towards that has definitely shifted in the past five, six years to where, you know, oh, I rolled a one, something bad has happened to like, no, I rolled a one, something, yeah, something bad in a certain sense is happening. But at the same time, you're creating, if you do it right, you're going to create this, uh, likely you're going to create this thing that likely is going to be what everybody remembers from the session. I ran a one shot for my son and his group and they were trying to do a dramatic task. And my son, actually, he happened to roll the one on his skill test to do it. And everyone was just like, Oh my gosh, no, this is horrible. And, but then when, when he, I took what he just, what he had been, what he said he was going to do and okay, I'm going to turn this into a fumble, but here's how it all plays out. And everybody was laughing about it. You know, they were having a good time about it because of his failure was so comical and memorable that that's what, you know, really kind of stuck with people. And it's like that, that's how you, that's how you handle rolling a one, you know, the game mm -hmm. went on, they still end up succeeding in what they're doing, but that momentary, you know, slip up is, was one of the good memories of it. Yeah, when when I used to listen to the Dragon Fisters when they were still around, uh, I said to Jesse because he was he when we were talking pre-show, he was the the GM that I met when I was on Nerdbound, and um, I emailed and I'm like, dude, what is up with your characters? Like, they're the worst to themselves. Like, you don't even have to do anything. Like, I can't wrap my head around what's happening. And then the you know the more I've played, the more I've played. I'm like, oh, I just love it. Oh, I fall off the building. Cool. What like what happens? You know, I took a header right. Like I went overhead first. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is that. That's that's it is. It's the stuff. That's the stuff that you remember more than anything else. And that's just so. It's just so great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. 
Uh, how did you wind up um, getting involved with the guys from Fear the Boot? Um, that <laughs> I was um, uh, probably, I guess you could describe me as, I, I don't know if I want to say I was like an uncomfortable fanboy, but it was, um, I started... <laughs> I started listening to them, I want to say about 2006. That was when I was, so they hadn't been around for very long. And I was just discovering podcasts. And I, I started, you know, I, I cut my teeth on Dragon's, Land, Dragon's Landing In. And I remember like cruising iTunes looking for um, uh, what other kind of podcasts were out there. And I remember even specifically even finding finding one um, that was somebody was doing, I think it may actually have been Jolly Blackmore, but he was, they were doing dramatic readings of Knights of the Dinner Table. Uh, mm, I think I remember that. And and so like, okay, this is cool. But yeah, within Dragon's Landing, they recommended Fear the Boot. And so then I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give these guys a try. And I found it, I started listening to it, and then I quickly realized, oh, these guys, these guys are Battletech players. Okay, cool. And so then uh, I just started listening. I'd get on the forums. I became extremely active on the forums. And um, from there, I was just very, very active. And I started then I started private messaging Dan, and he and I just began communicating. And then when they were he kind of had um, they had some host shifting, and Dan had ended up, I actually no, wait, I'm sorry. I went down there. Um, talk about uh, some, you know, a situation where you might never come back alive. Having never met this person, he and I interacted and everything. And then one January, I was like, you know, Hey, how about if I come down? And they're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. We'll come down. We'll play games. We'll hang out, whatever. We'll even record an episode. Cool. So went down there. Um, we did, we recorded and got to know them a little bit better. And then it wasn't long after that, that, yeah, they, they gave me a call. I think it was in 08 is when I joined and um, they asked if I wanted to be, be a host. I'm like, yeah, this sounds great. Let's do it. Da -da -da. We got the whole setup going. And then I was on there pretty regularly for quite a while. Uh, and then um, I kind of I took a little step back after a number of years uh, just to kind of free up more time. I wanted to, I wanted to focus on my writing. Um, and uh, you can see how far that's gotten me. <laughs> and um, But I did that, and then... And then I was on, you know, semi-regularly. And then I was just kind of started to do some of my own stuff, which I actually did want to, you know, uh, exercise some creative muscles in the RPG sphere. Uh, and then, of course, then the move came, and then that was pretty much it. The time zones just don't line up for that kind of stuff uh, for when they record. So I haven't been on in quite some time, but I'm still – I still communicate with them often. And, you know, of course, Young and Holtz on their uh, AP feed with their Skies of Glass – uh, Gun for Hire is going to show up on there here soon. So, um, so yeah, we all still communicate, and um, yeah. So, but they're they're great guys, and and it's really a, as a podcast themselves, it's a it's a testament to them, and with all of the host changes that they've had to be on as long as they are and still producing and still get as many listeners as they have and the feedback. And it was funny. I just saw today. Like the the uh, En World or whatever the top podcasts of 2019 oh, yeah, yeah. list came out. Fear the Boot was not on there. It would you know that's fine, whatever. Um, but the very first comment 
uh, on that particular article was somebody had posted saying, Fear the Boot is not on either of these lists. You know, like, <laughs> like it was Ian World's fault. Right, <laughs> right. It on the list. And it was like, like no, no, you know, it's, I think it's a fan thing. So if we didn't get nominated, well, we're not going to be on the list. And that's nah, fine, you know. Right, right. That's funny. <laughs> it is. So, but uh, it's, they're, they're, they, they still do good stuff. And um, yeah, they're good guys. Yeah, I, they're one of the OG podcasts. I mean, I, I've been listening to to RPPR since two thousand nine, I guess, and they're still going. I, and I thought they were one of the first first. Yeah, yeah, two thousand six. That's uh, he's got them by a couple of years. It is crazy when you think about it. So yeah, they've been in two thousand six, and we're twenty twenty. That's fourteen years. And yes, they've revisited certain topics. You know what podcast hasn't. But at the same time, they're still finding new things to talk about. And that that's mind-blowing when you think about it, that you could have 14-plus years of content within a hobby to talk about, and there's really no end in sight, you know. Yeah. But yeah. then again, you have been playing games for, you know, 25-plus years. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's still stories to tell. There's still stories to tell. We keep coming back, and we keep buying more dice, and we keep buying more games, you know. It's, right. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. Did you ever listen to Icosahedrophilia back in the day? No, I've never even heard of that. Icosahedrophilia. It, was, uh, it was a great show. Um, I don't remember what the GM's name was, but it was one of those things. Like you listen to one podcast and they recommend another podcast. And, you know, you're writing down lists of stuff. And, you know, back in the day, I was listening to, I don't know, like 30 podcasts at a time. You know, I'd go to work plug in, you know, work for eight hours, go home and, you know, do it all again the next day. Um, yeah. They had a, they had a great, you know, like epic, you know, campaign where they, you know, went from f- first level to whatever. And then they were like fighting Cthulhu at the end. And, oh, wow. Yeah. It, it was, it was pretty crazy. The, the explosion of APs uh, and streaming shows like that, just that just, it just fascinates me it, you, because I mean, I used to be kind of in that, in that camp somewhat where people would say, you know, role-playing games are not a spectator sport, but yet here we are. And they're not only a spectator sport, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it really is. I mean, everybody, people love watching them. I, mm-hmm. I even do it. You know, I watch um, wild cards and saving show, saving throw show. And, you know, I, that's, that is appointment content for me. Um, right, right. It's, it's, it's no crazy. different than watching TV, right? I mean, yeah. like it's it's the same kind of thing. You're, and you're getting better stories watching role playing games than you're getting on TV. In a certain sense, you are, and the level of interaction that you can have, you know, adds an extra dimension to it. And it is, it's almost in a certain sense, it is tailor made for you because you know it's a game I'm interested in. It's a, you know, it's, it's a rule system. I'm interested in it's a universe. I'm interested in these people are, are, are good, interesting people to listen to, you know, and then you look forward to doing that. It's, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know? We have people watching us now and we're not doing shit. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we're, just, just, we're just sitting here talking, wow, this is amazing. And people are watching us going, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> That's funny. So how do the how have the guys reacted um, to to the podcast or the, what's what's their uh, interaction with the with the fans, if you want to call them that, or friends, uh, which may be more appropriate. Um, you know, that's a really good question, and it's hmm. Um, I honestly don't know. I know that there are. Here's here's the here's the thing. 
I can see what the download numbers are for Young and Home. And I'm very pleased with those download numbers. The percentage of people who I, on those, of those download numbers that I've actually interacted with is incredibly small. I don't know if, is it a situation where um, it's a silent majority who just don't bother saying anything, they just like the show and they just kind of go on. Um, is, it, is it the people I interact with, are they literally the only people who listen and interact with, uh, listen and love the show and that's it? And the other people, because the other people inadvertently download this and then promptly delete it out of their you know, <laughs> podcatcher, I don't know. Um, but the, the thing is, is like, I don't, we, I don't get a lot of interaction. I'm not necessarily looking for it. I'm always happy and surprised when it happens. Um, and I always make sure that they do interact because, you know, goodness gracious, you're taking the time to like actually listen to something I produce. Holy shit. All right. Yeah, fine. I'll talk to you. You know, hi. Um, so it's, it just, it always amazes me. Um, probably, and this isn't to take away from anybody else's interaction, but I think one of the most surprising ones is, is that in my son's group, one of the players, um, her name is Brianna. She, she, when we played these, these are, these are people who have not done a lot of RPGs. They've done, a, mm -hmm. they've just done, they've done it maybe for less than collectively a year. And so we were getting back into playing. We were getting ready to run this, run this one shot jokingly on our group chat. I said, oh, and by the way, homework wise, you're all expected to go and start listening to my actual play podcast for Deadlands. <laughs> and we weren't even playing Deadlands. Gave them the website, you know, ha, ha, ha. Well, lo and behold, Brianna actually starts listening to it. <laughs> and she messages me or messages the group a while later, you know, the couple weeks later, whatever. And she's like, hey, I'm really enjoying the podcast. And I'm like, holy shit, you're actually listening to this? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. She goes, I'm on episode eight right now. She goes, it's really good. And I'm like, holy crap. And then, so not only that, she actually kept it. So it was because, partially because of the podcast, and she was getting into Deadlands, Deadlands Universe, and everything that's along with that. When it came time after the one shot for us, for us to decide, they all wanted to keep playing. I'm like, okay, we can do this. What do you guys want to do? Here's, we're going to keep doing Savage Worlds because I don't have the time to learn a new rule system. I said, so here's a bunch of genres we can play in. Whatever interests you guys is I'm cool with. You know, let's let's figure out something we can all agree on. Well, Brianna jumps in there and she's she really starts pushing for deadlines. And she was like, the driving force to get everybody to play Deadlands. Because once I started offering some more details on Deadlands, they're like, oh yeah, this actually sounds really cool. And um, and so it was because she got into it listening to the podcast. And so now here we are as a group, we're playing it. And so that to me, you know, that like the power of that um, did not escape me. I was really impressed by that. And it makes me feel good that, okay, my stuff isn't too wild as far as how we treat that universe. And somebody's got enough enjoyment out of it that they want to try that game. You know, it's like, oh, shit, this really is an effective medium for marketing games. That's so mm. cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I don't really, you know, I don't get, a, like I said, I don't get a whole lot of fan interaction. I love it when it happens. Um, but it doesn't bother me that it doesn't happen, I guess. Yeah. You know? I, that's the cool thing about having the show is it it presents with a different kind of access, right? So if it's just you and me on Twitter and I'm like, Hey, do you want to like jump in a hangout and talk about games and stuff? You're like, 
what power? Like I got shit to do. Like I don't, I don't know who you are or whatever. But like yeah, Eagles, whatever. Go get out of here. But like having a podcast, like hey, I have a podcast. You want to come on? Like talk about games? You're like sure. Let's talk about games. <laughs> so it's it's a really weird dynamic, right? There's a certain amount of responsibility that that comes with having that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like yeah, I like to play games and you know we record and we put them on the internet and that's cool and whatever. But like it's an excuse for me to like hang out and play games, you know, like the other stuff's just a side benefit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's weird. Like the number of, I guess, virtual or online friends that I made is through gaming and through the ability to yeah, either go on podcasts and talk or in discord channels for podcasts to talk is, is really, it's, it's wild. And, you know, odds are I'm probably going to be going to Gen Con this year and to be able to meet some of these people in person. It's like that. That almost excites me more than getting to play the games because it's like, oh, my gosh, we can finally see each other face to face. Of course, for me, the hard part is, as it has always been, because when I was like heavily into Fear the Boot and we go to Gen Con, I don't someone's username is not always their real name. And like right. for me to make that, that transit translation, it's like, I, uh, I just, I have a really hard time with it. And if, if their avatar picture, if they don't look like their avatar picture, which they never do, you know, then it even weirds me out more. Like when I finally meet Carl Kiesler, um, if he doesn't look like Samuel Jackson in a clown suit, <laughs> I, I don't know. I know and it's going to, it's going to blow my mind because that's how he was. That was his avatar picture on Google plus for a long time. Well, I come to find out that, you know, he's just this average looking white guy, you know, and he just, I don't know why he chose the Sam Jackson picture. Obviously become, I would assume because he's a bad motherfucker, but um, <laughs> to, 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 see him in real life is like, oh my gosh, this is what you really look like. You know, this is crazy. But, you know, I don't know. It's it's one of those things you you, you learn to get over it, I guess, or you make an effort to get over it. Well, so, so, you know, when we were pre-gaming a little bit, I'm like, oh my God, it's so weird to like hear your voice and see you because I'm just used to <laughs> yeah. listening to the podcast. Like, well, yeah, that's such yeah. a weird disconnect. Well, and now I'm going to go because you're talking about your day trippers thing and I'm thinking to myself, okay, oh, this actually sounds really kind of cool. I'm going to have to go now and start listening to this. And so now when I do this, I'm going to be like, I've gotten used to the way you're talking here. And if you're anything at all different <laughs> there, it's going to be like, wait a second, what? The point where is the disconnect happening here? Uh, yeah, that's funny. When when I first met Neil, so Neil was the GM for Nerdbound, you know, again, as we were kind of talking pre-show, and, and the podcast went away and we remained friends. Um, but they went to PAX in 2011 and 2012. And I missed 11, but I went in 12. And, you know, we were, you know, messaging back and forth or on the forums or whatever. And I'm I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to be over here or whatever. Like, let's meet up. And I'm standing there and I see this guy come like walking towards me. And I'm like, fuck is this guy? Not thinking like you just told the guy to meet you over here. And then he came (laughs) up and I'm like, who? Oh, Neil. Oh shit. Okay. Because again, it's just so weird because it wasn't his, you know, his picture wasn't his profile picture and all that stuff. So like, this is a really weird thing when you actually do get to meet face to face sometimes. (laughs) It is. Yeah, it is. It's uh going to be very weird and i know that if i if i if i get to meet the crew from saving throw show first of all they're going to seem gargantuan because it's like oh you're like normal sized people that i'm used to seeing you know on a you know 8 by 12 screen or whatever um and then just it'll be like oh and you're also three dimensional this is even stranger so yeah <laughs> 
Well, do you get to a lot of cons during the year? I imagine, you know, being up in Alaska, there's probably not as many. Yes. No, since coming up here, yeah, it's been, it's been uh, dry would be, would be an accurate term. I used to go to a lot. I was, I was heavily into con going. Well, I went to Gen Con a lot, pretty consistently in the nineties. I missed a few years here and there. And then in the 2000s, I got big into Living Greyhawk, and so I'd go to a lot of smaller regional cons, uh, which were fun. And then, of course, Fear the Con. But um, I don't, I never, I didn't get to go to as many as I always wanted to. You know, that was the, you know, that's the, one of the gamers' laments for sure. Um, but I have, I've come to uh, really like and appreciate those smaller cons. I think there, there, there's a lot of good there. But then, you know, it, going and experiencing the spectacle that is Gen Con is uh, is also truly it's a wondrous thing. So, and I, it's been a couple of years since I've been, so I'm definitely looking to get back there for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is something to be said for the spectacle, but for me, I know for me, it's too many people. I, I enjoy a small con so much more because you see the same people all weekend and. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. To to me, it's, it's more of a family vibe and it's really cool here in Arizona. Like we have, I have six or eight small local cons between me Mm. and Phoenix. So it's great. Like there's always something going on that you can get to. And you know, most of them are under 600 people. So it's, it's real tight. There's a lot, there's a lot to be said for something like that. A lot of positive stuff for that, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Our, our, you know, bigger one here in Tucson is Rincon. So I sat down to play a Call of Cthulhu game. Unbeknownst to me, we're talking after the session's over. Everybody from the table from New Jersey, oh. which is where I'm originally from. I'm oh like, get gosh. out of here. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm in, from Delran. And, you know, these guys are from like East Orange or something. I'm like, how crazy is that? Wow, <laughs> like, that is nuts. That's nuts. That's so cool, though, man. That's it. Yeah. It really is cool. That's one of the things that always blew me away with some of the fear, with some of the fear of the cons. I was at the distances people would travel. You know, when we get people who come literally from Australia, I think we even had a guy from Japan once show up. It just <laughs> blows your mind, and it almost it's it's intimidating in a certain sense because. And I know for me, I always felt like because I would go there and I would run games. I'm thinking, okay, I'm a host. Some people may indeed want to see me. Um, but they're definitely going to want to play games. So I want to go and I want to run a game. I want to make it a good experience for them. That's my responsibility. And, but yet at the same time, you know, it's like, you just, you just, you do, you feel so intimidated that, you know, I've got to, I've just, I've got to be on it. Got to run my egg. I've got to bring my egg in every single moment, you know, cause I don't want to make it a crappy experience. If someone's going to travel thousands of miles, spend hundreds of dollars and then have a shitty game. It's just, oof. You know, you I just make it would, I would feel bad as a human being for it's like, eh, thanks for coming to our con. I'm going to take a big dump on you. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, 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 you can't do that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, what um, you, you said you, you guys were playing a lot of X-Wing. Do you do a lot of board games as well? Not as much anymore. Um, yeah, we did a lot when I was still in Iowa. We, we played and, and we and they're fun. I mean, we did uh, X-Wing. um we we had Brad had um, he had Kingdom Death Monster, which is mm. a just great game. I just that game I love that game. Um, I'm trying to think what other ones that we did. Oh uh, no, we didn't do that one very much. 
I think we I think we we tried a few. What is the what is the one that takes forever? The descent, the one that takes forever to set up, and then you might die within like the first half hour or something like that. Oh, and there's a couple like that. It's got Cthulhu <laughs> elements to it, but yeah, we would do that. Um, we do a lot of card games at times just to like either kill time or fill time. Um, we did. We got into for a short period. We got into Risk Legacy, which <laughs> was great. Love that one. Um, I I didn't understand at first like. How does playing one game affect the future games? It doesn't make any sense to me. And then we'd play it and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. We have to keep doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, actually, not... I actually did one, I, um, which blows my mind because I normally never win at risk. So hmm. dice never usually roll my way. Or or I'll end up getting stuck in the beginning trying to defend Europe because I can't. I don't have enough <laughs> foothold in any on South America or Australia. So it's like, uh, all right. Right, right. Yeah, I, I picked up uh, Risk Europe. My brother and I have been playing mm-hmm. off and on, so we'll do like I found um, two-player variant rules on uh, Board Game Geek or something. So we've been doing that. But you know, like even even that takes you know two three hours to kind of wade through. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So yeah, he had Twilight Imperium, but we never made the plunge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've never played it. I've heard, yeah, it does. It takes four and bah. Yeah. yeah. They usually have a table set up at Rencon, and I'll see people there in the morning, and then I'll still see them there at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, ah, to have fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, really. I guess you don't do a lot of Kickstarter stuff then? Um, I've certainly backed my fair share of Kickstarters. I've gotten lucky. There's only been a couple that I haven't gotten. Um, and of course, you know, just like everybody else, there are some that are being delayed. I'm still kind of waiting. Um, but yeah, Kickstarter board games, I think I've done just a couple. One was probably a mistake to do just because we tried playing it one night and it was just understanding the rules was really difficult. Um, and it was enough so that it turned us all off from trying it again. Oh, that um, sucks. So most, if I do back any Kickstarters, it's mostly going to be um, for role-playing games or, or particular supplements or whatever. So, Right. No, that's fair. Did you get yeah. in the last um, uh, Pinnacle stuff that the Kickstarter they had going? I did, the one for Lost Colony and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I backed that one. Um but yeah, I was there when they had the big, the big, you know, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. The whole box set thing was like actually sitting right over there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did. I backed that, and I, you know, that was the one I spent the most money on that Kickstarter than I have ever on anyone. I knew they would be able to deliver, and everything looked in there really cool. And I knew as a game system, this was one I was going to get a lot of mileage out of. Right, um, right. I haven't sadly yet. I've only been able to actually use the box maybe twice. But um, yeah, I know that 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 will change soon. So, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like at some point, you just become a collector of RPGs and not really a player <laughs> of RPGs. Yep, yep. And I know, and that was like we talked about at the beginning or before. Mike says like that's one of the things about me that I was trying to uh, prevent. I was trying to actually pare down and get my games down to a manageable uh, amount. You know. Um, even if I don't, because like they're like, you know, I've got a shit ton of Battletech books. I'll probably never use them all, um, but it, I, I have a hard time separating those, like giving those ones up. It's gonna, it would, it'll, it'll take a take a little bit of mental work to get beyond that. 
my brother and I have a table set out in my garage right now. We got a, a full sheet of plywood. We I bought the um, Hotwire Foam Factory, their little scroll table. So we got mm. 3D terrain all set up. We've got like four lances of mechs. And we play with janky rules. Like we don't play like legit rules. <laughs> so the games last forever. But yeah, I mean, we'll play a game. It'll take us like, I don't know, like six months to play. Mm-hmm. Yep. through a whole through a whole thing and it, it's great oh it's so much fun <laughs> <laughs> it is um yeah those l- large battles and things like that can be because we yeah there were so many nights we would play BattleTech where it would just go that was back when the eight hour phase you mm-hmm. know and you would just be slogging through the stuff you didn't care because it was cool you know and you're blowing shit up and it was wonderful now it's like eh, yeah this is mm, i wish it went a little faster <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of math. So you, how many did you move? That's all right. So that's plus two. And then I ran. Fuck. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. How many did you move again? <laughs> yes. Oh man. That's so true. So yeah. true. And it's funny. Cause like, so when I first, so I did, I didn't play Redbox. Like I didn't get introduced to all this stuff until like the early part of the nineties. And when fourth came out, we started getting back into it. I was telling my brother, I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm going to start playing this D and D whatever. And he was like, oh, don't ask me. And I'm like, I, do you want to play? Like, you can play if you want. Like, I didn't think, because he goes rise quads. He likes to go shooting. Like, he's, you know, he played hockey. So he's always doing something physical. And I was like, sure, sure play. And he had a blast playing. He played with us all through fourth. Nice. And then, um, you know, we I moved out here to Arizona and he was here. So we started playing again. And then it was like, all right, we were doing Battletech and D&D together. He's like, I can only do one. Like, my <laughs> wife is getting mad. Like, I'm over your house all the time. I'd rather play Battletech. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. That's fair. Let's play Battletech. I don't know. Because I'm going to play D&D anyway. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I can get by without you. I can get by playing without you. Yeah, I'll just do it over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it was a shock. And and he had he had fun. His, his girlfriend at the time, we both started, you know, when we started playing again, she had a good time. And again, not like a role player, but she was super into it. Like it's just such a cool thing to see and, right. and and to have someone that you're close to like that just be able to get in like both feet and just have such a good time doing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is. And and I've I've had, you know, little bits of success like that with my kids. My daughter actually our oldest daughter who played a little bit with me, she actually is in a regular group now with her and her boyfriend and some other friends. Nice. Um, you know, which is good. I'm glad, even though her and I never we gamed only a few times. I'm glad that she has taken it and is still doing it and gets into it. So good, good for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I I've, I've had varying success <laughs> with trying to get the kid to play. Uh, yeah. We've done board games a little bit. We've tried the role playing, and and it's like stops and starts. It's like let's play it. I'm like great, and I get everything out. And I'm like no. Let's do it tomorrow. I'm like, fuck, I can't do it tomorrow. Like I got a, a podcast thing, or we got to go grocery shopping, or whatever. Yeah, it's it's like that. Uh, it's like that meme with um, you have my sword and my axe, and then the other one's like, uh, the fifth doesn't work for me, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> love that. It's the worst. It's so true. Especially trying to schedule. Uh, we were talking before. You know, we, at one point we had five campaigns going. Trying to schedule you know, five different games with like 13 different people and like five different time zones. Such a nightmare. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. (laughs) So what lessons have you taken away 
you know, from, from doing the podcast? Um, I've learned, um, actually if there's a, if there's one thing for sure that it has helped me a lot is in how I present, um, myself when I'm running games. So, cause for some reason, um, I don't know if it's because, like I said, I get really excited at the table or whatever, but I really have a tendency to stutter. Um, and not the stuttering kind where I'm like, uh, like the word will get stuck in my mouth and I'll like, duh, 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 and then say it. It's more of, I repeat the phrase over and over and over again before finally getting it out of my mouth. And, and that was, so when I first started editing the podcast, I, I didn't realize like how, I knew I did it, but I didn't realize how much I did it. And so and yeah, I had the whole ums and ahs thing that most people have when they do that, but that wasn't that wasn't as prominent as me and how. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry if you hear whining. That's my dog outside my door. <laughs> um, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't as prominent as the whole stuttering issue, and so I took out a lot of that because I wanted to create a little bit better experience uh, for the listener as far as that went. But at the same time, I was, you know, taking that internal lesson like, okay, you know, you have to slow down just a little bit. You have to, even though you're ad-libbing, you've got to choose your words a bit more carefully, learn to be okay with those silent pauses as you go forward because those things are, A, they're much easier to edit out. And you can also use that to your advantage when it comes to, like, creating suspense or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I have actually gotten much better as far as that goes, presentation-wise. Um, it doesn't bother me to hear my own voice. You know, if working in TV, you're going to hear your own voice all the time when you're uh, recording stuff or whatnot, if you do it. So that that definitely is one of the things. I've also become a bit better at uh, descriptions um, and creating a certain scene um, or setting and in trying to be better at, uh, engaging the five senses, you know, you smell this and it feels like this and you see this and you hear this, all that kind of, so in a lot of ways as an exercise, um, even if you don't even release it as a podcast, I feel that recording your sessions and then going back and listening to them, um, and, and being constructively critical of yourself can improve your skills as a GM. Mm -hmm. And as a player too. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been on My, a number um, of podcasts, and I I always listen to things that I was in, and and again, you know, kind of be critical on myself and like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or you know, the character really wouldn't have done that had I you know thought about it in the moment, and like you know, trying to be consistent and trying to enunciate clearly, and like you said, be more descriptive and more engaging, because you know people are consuming this as a as a product for all intents and purposes. And you want them to be engaged with what's going on. Like I'm, I'm very, you know, handsy. I'm always moving my hands around and stuff like that. It's like, if you're at the table, like, you know, I look at them. Well, you're listening to podcasts. Who the hell are you looking at? If there's five people at the table, it doesn't mean anything to anybody. I turn and look at so-and-so or I, you know, whatever. So it does have to kind of be in the forefront of your mind when you're playing, you know, for a podcast or for an audience that, you know, people don't necessarily know what you're talking about if you don't, follow through yeah that um hold on my headphones popped out um i gotta find that freaking hold on a second here this is great tv right here okay there you go <laughs> um yeah the, and you find certain um you find certain phrases too that you realize are just 
I don't know. They're, 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 they don't help at the table. Like I would say, and they still do. Um, uh, I would say things like he kind of turns towards you and says this. And I re- and then I realize as I'm listening to myself do this, I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, he doesn't kind of do that. He does do that. You're right. <laughs> why, why are you saying, why are you saying kind of? So it, so it does, it, it, yeah, it, it just really helps improve a lot uh, of things. And one, one of my, um, Brent, he, he he has uh, his own group with his wife and a bunch of her friends or other co-workers, and uh, he records them, and he uses it now as notes. He records the sessions, edits them down, shares them with within the group, but then it kind of becomes this establishment of canon, you know, within right. the game, uh, which is another good reason to do it. It's it's really it's worth it to to do that stuff. Right. I I started rec- when I was still running fourth edition. Once we moved out here to Arizona, I started recording my sessions as well. I can't say that I went back to go listen to them, which was always the intention, uh, because you know I would same thing get all excited. I always made crafts and stuff for the table because I felt like my GM skills were not up to par. I'm like, oh here, look at this shiny thing. Don't worry about <laughs> what he says. Look, I made this thing. It's really cool, right? <laughs> um, so I never went back and did it, but. Um, I, I did record for a little while anyway. Nice. Yeah, it's uh it's it's actually it's not a bad thing to get into, you know, even if you don't do anything with the two but listen to it uh for you know for posterity's sake. It's 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 a good thing. Well, like you said, it establishes a canon too. Like mm-hmm. if anybody really cares, you know, if you use a certain accent or you know, if this PC has a NPC has a certain, you know, quest sort of thing, like as the quest giver, you know, then you're, you're consistent through the story. Cause that's, you know, I did a homebrew thing and like, it made me crazy. Cause like, I wanted everything to be logically consistent. Like, okay, it's a fantasy world and there's dragons and there's magic and whatever. But like, man, if, the, if I said the guy walked across the street, like, why did he walk across the street? Like, ah, you know, <laughs> like you just start going down these roads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so you moved in the last year, um, and yep. you know, so you had the table game. What was a trans- transition like for you, and has it impacted the game, you know, positively or negatively since since the switch? Um, both. It is the dynamic that we had around the table um, it, that has had to adapt somewhat. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's gotten worse, uh, but it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, the three of us, we, we've adapted to the point where, you know, it's, we're pretty, we're pretty, we're pretty strong with each other and we've, we've made it work well. Uh, it has worked better in the sense that the audio quality of the podcast has improved significantly. Um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, my editing skills have got better, but the, the quality of the cast, because now we're all recording locally, um, mm-hmm. So that that is an improvement, which you know it's unfortunate that it had happened in this way for that to be improvement, you know. But bringing us a, a mic setup for a three mic setup and all that that would have been that would have been unrealistic to do and um, uh, probably also impossible. But um, uh, so it's been kind of a mixed bag. I, I'm 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 what I am pleased with, you know. When I talk about the the trust and the dynamic is that. When we sat down for like our first two sessions that we had um, to record online, they went really well. 
Um, and I was I was very, very pleased with what came out of there uh, episode wise. And I felt that we hadn't really skipped a beat in that sense. Um, you know, as far as like, ooh, that was a really weak session and it was all weird because we were online. No, we really didn't have that. Um, that's actually, um, I've been very lucky in that sense. Cool. Very cool. And, and that happens after the Fargo uh, incident, right? I, I don't yes, think I've ever yeah, yet. Yeah, the last, the last session we had together around the table, uh, story-wise, I think, it, I think it concludes in episode 34 and that wraps up everything in Deadwood. Um, what was, you know, all the stuff that happens in Deadwood. So the new stuff, quote unquote, new stuff picks up um, with episode uh, or issue 35. I suppose it should, I, I refer to them as issues stylistically because of the cover images and kind of what they're based off of. So uh, I should probably be consistent with myself. It's a very cool conceit too. I like that thematically. It's very appropriate. The art is very cool. I I, I dig that whole thing you've got going on. Yeah, I, the that's actually one of the things I've been most proud about. Is I like the I like the idea of looking at it and thinking that this is a, a dime novel uh, mm -hmm. of sorts. And you know, and so having you know taking or adapting cover images from old you know Western theme pulps pulp magazines uh, has been. Um, uh, uh, it's just it's one of the nice style things that isn't necessary to see, but I like to see it. And and the cover the cover images for all those are just really I don't know I'm very proud of those, uh, even though they have absolutely nothing to do with the game. <laughs> that is very cool. And and you know Porter's always you know referring to his story, and you know it kind of plays into all that, which is is all very cool. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually if if uh, if people do listen to Gun for Hire when it comes out. I won't like give everything away, but there are some connections that exist between what happens in Young and Holt and what happens in Gun for Hire, uh, oh, which nice. takes place in the Deadlands Noir universe, uh, which is in the 1930s. So there's, but nah, I won't get into it. <laughs> the podcast isn't out yet. It's close, um, but I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to releasing this one only just because there's some cool other style things that we did just to kind of, I guess, window dressings around the podcast itself, the actual story, which I think kind of helped complete the experience, so to speak. Um, you know, cause I don't, I don't want to make it full on audio drama with just a little bit of role playing. That's Eric from gamers table. He does that better <laughs> than anybody else. Yeah. And, but uh, so it's, it's somewhere between the raw recording that you would get with the guys in Fear the Boot and Skies of Glass and what Eric does. It's somewhere in that realm, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I dig a newer setting and I, I haven't gotten a chance to play in one yet. So like, I'm really looking forward to see what you guys do with it. Yeah. And, you know, it was a new thing for me too. And so it's, that's been a learning experience that has actually tested me a bit as a GM to try and cause it's a different you, you're trying to create, or I look at it as you're trying to create a different sense of style, a different mood, and um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and, I, and I've been lucky enough so far. I've even had to gut check with the with the guys, uh, and then Jill, uh, who's our, our third player in this game. Like, are you guys feeling that this is noir enough? You know, because I, there was a couple sessions I remember I did where I did feel like things were a little flat and they were like, no, 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 it's actually, it's not, you know, I think you're being too hard on yourself. It's really not that bad. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed. We'll see. Right, right. Did, how much did you do any research going in 
Uh, not nearly as much as I probably should have. I listened to a lot of slow jazz. Um, <laughs> and I did read up a little bit on like, what is noir supposed to be? Like, what is the thing? Um, don't ask me because I couldn't tell you what exactly what I read, except for that, you know, it's never, never a happy ending. Um, but then again, Deadlands itself should never be a happy ending either. So it's, it's sort of stereotypical noir. I, I always had it on like, okay, I'm going to watch some, you know, famous noir films. We have seen some, um, but I'm not selling my podcast very well. I, it, <laughs> to me, it feels like you would think it should feel, I think. Right. If you right. were to look and There's at nothing it. wrong with hitting all those tropes. I mean, that's, yes. it, it's noir setting. Like there are certain things that you expect are, you know, phraseology or setting wise or, you know, type, you know, hard bitten detective, whatever, like you, you expect, there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. And I did, you know, I did like, I did some, I did some slang research. I did do that. And, you know, I try not, even though it takes place in Chicago, I try not to make everyone sound like a, like a, um, uh, a Guido from New York. Um, you know, it's, it's, or, or, uh, you know, an overbearing Jewish mother. It's, it's, I try to have a little bit of variety in there. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Let's go. Cool. When's, when's the first episode going to drop? Soon is about the best answer I can give you <laughs> only because see it is interesting. Okay. So here's what ended up happening. I'll try and be as brief as possible. Cause normally I get pretty wordy. We actually recorded a session. Um, all four or I think, yeah, it was, it was the original four of us. We recorded a session and it just wasn't after we had done it. I, I was, I did not feel good about it. And we talked about it a little bit. And we're like, nah, this isn't really that, that good. I said, why don't we, and, and there was, a, there was also a several month gap in between when we did it and when we were going to play again. And I, and I said, I'm, I'm not really happy with this. Let's kind of start over. And everyone was like, okay, that's fine. So they kept their characters. And so I approached it differently rather than have them all like be together, which is how we started the first session, I decided to do individual character introductions and just focused on each one of them um, briefly to kind of get them going and then massage them to get them all together. And what ended up happening when I was editing this, I realized, okay, each one of these introductions almost feels like it should be an episode in itself. And so I basically broke out that session into these four episodes um, and thought, okay, these will be character introduction episodes and then figured out how to, how I was going to structure that as far as a show presentation wise. So yeah. So like literally the first four episodes, they're all shorter. They're all like around 20 to 25 minutes. It's literally just a single character introduction and what that character is doing. And then it won't be until the fifth episode that you'll start to see them get together. Uh, so it, the, so it, it starts a little unusual, um, but uh, I've gotten the first episode is complete. The second episode is about 95% complete and I'll have the last two done hopefully within the next week or so. And then once I get all four of those done, then I think I'll feel good enough to release them. Uh, and then we'll see how things go from there. So that's cool. It's, it's an interesting concept that, you know, everybody gets like an opening vignette almost. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of like establish character stuff and scene and setting and, and all that. Like that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was, we even had, there was even a bit of, of a debate between us like, okay, so who should go first? I mean, mm. it's called gun for hire because the, the, the main private detective is Grace Gunn. Uh, she's in, and, and 
but we kind of felt like, well, should she go first? Well, she's kind, she's not necessarily the main character, but she is the one who's the show's named after. But then one of the other characters has a bit more actiony introduction as far as his presentation. So we're like, you know, let's look at it as a movie. Usually there's a scene, you begin with a little bit of an action sequence and then you kind of slow things down and we're like, okay, so then Irving's character, he needs to go first. Then we can bring in Grace, then we'll bring in the other two. So that's actually how we ended up uh, doing it. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. I'll, maybe I'll, uh, when we get done here, I'll, I'll shoot you the, I'll, I'll get your email and I'll shoot you the, uh, the initial episode. Ooh, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Sneak peek there for you. <laughs> cool, very cool. Uh, I want to sort of backtrack a little bit. We're talking about social media and things like that. Uh, what do you think of the um, the influence of shows like Critical Role and things like that on the hobby in general? Good, bad, and different. Uh, I I would say uh, my overall opinion will be good. I think that um, it it would definitely bring it it reduces the whole gamer shame quotient. Um, so it makes it cool. Uh, it does bring new people into the hobby. They are bound to try it. So that's a good thing. Um, the, the You may run into issues where people might sit down at the table and they might expect to have a critical role experience. Mm-hmm. And that probably isn't going to happen. You know, maybe eventually you'll get there, but odds are your first six, seven months of gaming is probably not going to be that. It's just, it's just not going to work out that way. And if it does, cool, good for you. But You've been a great group. <laughs> yeah. So that, that can be a negative uh, to that. Um, but I think too, I think like going back to what we were talking about earlier, there's so much more out there game wise. If these people do decide to attend conventions and sit down at other tables with different games and have a different experience, um, then, you know, that again is a good thing because you're getting more people at these local cons and which means they can survive, which mm-hmm. is good. So yeah, more more eyes on the product, more eyes on the hobby. Definitely, mm-hmm. it's definitely a better thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, at some point, you know, Netflix um, or Amazon is going. I mean, Amazon already has the AFK web series on there, but some at some point in time, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon is going to come back by one of those streaming services. That's going to help. You're going to get a show, a critical role-like show is going to show up on these uh, on these services. You know, I mean, goodness, they have actual play podcasts on Spotify now. You know, so that yeah, <laughs> so it's it's only going to uh, that kind of stuff is only going to increase because it's a it's a new venue for stories. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you get the you get these higher quality APs. You know that they maybe they don't necessarily have the listenership, but they have quality and they they tell good stories. Man, you never know what could happen. You know, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's and you get and having the support from the game companies in essence by just saying, yeah, it's okay if you use our IP. You know that helps a lot. You know, if 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 Pinnacle was a jerk company and was like you know like stop using Deadlands unless you pay us, well that means the podcast would probably go away. But right. they. You know, they're cool with it. They just—they're like, here, can you at least say this? Yes, we can. Absolutely, can we can say this? That it's your property. Da da da, and everyone's happy. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and it's interesting. People, you know, D and D has always been sort of the touchstone, I guess, for for things. But then when you get in and you do that for a while, you know, there there is like you say, this whole other world to discover. 
Um, and, and maybe D&D, like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, this is neat. But like, wow, this game is amazing because it does all of these other crazy things that this doesn't do. Or yeah, right. Do. Have, you guys, have you guys tried Earthdawn? Oh, my gosh. I thought D&D <laughs> was the best fantasy game of all time. But no, it's Earthdawn. This is amazing. <laughs> well, we know it's not Rifts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, really. Oh, that poor punching bag of a game. I, I do maintain that Rifts can be amazing if it is run correctly, um, you know, but it, it, yeah, I know riffs it's whatever it's, it's, you know, it, it's a fever dream, but that's, you know, that's fine. Yeah. The, the setting, the wealth of setting materials is amazing, but the actual mechanics are a little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From my understanding, I've never actually yeah. played it, but from everything that I hear. Yeah. I mean, I have not tried the Savage World edition of Rift, but I have heard actually nothing but good things about it. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. All right. We should probably start getting an engine. We're pushing two hours. Yet. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And it's, uh, yeah, I still eat supper. I haven't eaten supper yet. My, oh, dog, my dog continues to whine outside my door. <laughs> well, so I'll ask you this by way of commercial. Okay. Did you get your coffee? Oh, yeah, I did get my coffee, and it was good. It was really good. I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. And as someone who eventually hopes to have a, a hobby coffee roasting business as a, as a side gig, um, uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I, it was good. I'm very envious. Sweet. So so by way of explanation, then, I'll say, Chris had ordered a, a bag of the legendary brew, and uh, – I, I was I was kind of wanted to pregame this and ask you before we got on and we got distracted and I'm like oh fuck we'll just go live and hopefully you liked it <laughs> otherwise it's gonna be bad yeah no it was it was good and actually you know if I had been if I had been well of course I I'd already burned through it by the time you hit me up to come and talk on the show I should have had some like ready to go um, yeah but no it it was I tried two bags uh, and they both were yeah they both were actually quite good sweet was, one was the that was it the legendary one? Yep. And then what was that? I can't remember the name of the other one. Off was it Night Owl Blend? Is that what you got? Yes. Yes. It was Night Owl Blend. That was, yeah. It was good. It was, it was the the good. Night Owl was my favorite before we started getting our own. <laughs> you got to drink your own stuff, right? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Birds of a Feather is our, uh, is our uh, sponsor for the show. They're a small batch craft coffee roaster. They're roasted by Neil, who runs our Rogue Trader and Fear Itself games. And as Chris can attest, it is a very good brew. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice, even, uh, medium roast coffee. Uh, it's easy drinking. It's, it's got, I don't know, there's notes or whatever and shit. You got to follow the link. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I'm not good at this part of it. I made mine with a uh, French press, um, and it was yeah, it was spectacular. Yeah, that's what I do. I get the whole bean now. I was shamed into whole bean. Good, good. And, you uh, should be shamed into whole bean. That's the only way to go. Yeah, and it is better. Like I just every time I grind, I'm like, oh, all the flavor and all the. <laughs> yep. Yep. The, the, yeah, it is the that making that part of the ritual is part of what makes the coffee so good. Hmm. Absolutely. And if you used code, code LEGENDS10, you got 10% off your order and shipping was free. That's right, which I did, and it was. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> right, do you have anything to plug? Do you have anything that's going on? We know uh, the, the new podcast is coming out. Anything else that's happening? Yep. Uh, yeah, so youngandholt.com is where you can see get access to all of the uh, episodes and extras that we have for The Adventures of Young and Holt. Uh, and then Gun with two N's 
for hire AP. So gunforhireap.com is what will get you everything that we have so far for the upcoming gun for hire AP, including a trailer, um, which you can see. And then a couple of little character uh, bios as well. So that's plug wise. That's it. You can hit me up. I'm on Twitter primarily. That is my social media of choice. Uh, and I am the Hussman on T H E H U S S M A N on there. And there are links to everything in the show notes below. So if you didn't catch that, just check out the show notes. You have links to all the things. Sweet. I should also mention, because this is a relatively new, I guess, uh, we do have our Patreon up. So if you're interested in supporting the show, you don't like coffee. I don't I don't know why you wouldn't like coffee, but if you don't and you still want to support the show, uh, you could throw some money at us over there. Uh, we do early release for the raw episodes. I'm approaching the point of synchronicity where I'm caught up to uh, our current episodes. I've been trying to get like two things posted every week. Uh, we've moved to a post show format. So we'll have our episodes and then we do, eh, sometimes it's a couple of minutes. We've had post shows that have gone on for almost two hours. Uh, so we figured we'd make that a Patreon exclusive thing that we feel like you're getting a little something for your money. Um, and I can't say that I blame you, but <laughs> I, you know, I support a couple of people on Patreon and I never go on Patreon <laughs> to look at any of their stuff. Right. Like, cause so for me, like, that's not the, like, I don't care. Like it doesn't matter. You know, right. Like, you just want to support them because you like it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and not everybody does that. And I get it. And I fully appreciate that. But you know, we have that up there, so we have the uh, extra shows and stuff for you to check out. So if you'd like to do that, we would appreciate it. And reviews for Legends, reviews for, well, I guess for Fear the Boot, even though it's not uh, <laughs> for Young and Hold specific, but review Young and Hold, and it'll go up for a review on Fear the Boot, and that would be fantastic. All those things helps the shows get noticed in the algorithms, bumps everybody up, though they probably don't need the help, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> But do it nonetheless. It's nice to be able to get that feedback. Uh, people know that you're engaged, you know, you're engaged with the show and you're enjoying what people are doing. And, uh, you know, that is a reward unto itself. Yeah, very true. Absolutely. Well, Chris, it was a pleasure to have you on. We could probably do this for like two more hours, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. We can, I mean, we're talking gaming, so it could just, it literally could go on forever. So that's oh, yeah. it's a good thing. Yep. We'll, we'll definitely have to do this again. We'll have to get you back into the rotation. Maybe we'll get you in one of our roundtable things. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. I enjoy the show very much. I, I listen. I started listening. It's fantastic. I love it. The the Adventures of Young and Holt is a fantastic game. The players are great, and you are a wonderful GM. Well, thank you very much. It's extremely nice of you to say. So, and 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 you, I have to say, you like I said earlier, you did sell yours pretty good. So now, now it, it it's bumped itself up in my queue for sure. So I'm definitely going to check it out. Absolutely. I don't know what platform you use. If you go to our SoundCloud page, there's actually playlists set up for each cool. separate campaign. So interesting. You okay. wanted to just take a chunk out of that almost 500 podcasts that are up there. <laughs> <laughs> you can get them in little chunks. Nice. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everybody for checking this out and we'll catch you next time. Later. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.